has found you well and uh, you've prepared your heart coming into the house of the Lord, right? We understand that uh, preparation is, is vital, is key. We come not necessarily to receive anything. We come with an offering of thanksgiving, amen? An offering of praise, heartfelt, true praise, because we understand we're in reverent awe of who God is and what he's done for us and just uh, his holiness. His, we have a reverent holiness for who he is. Um, my son wanted every, well, we wanted everyone to know, remind everyone, Kalos turned seven today. <laughs> so we don't have, we don't have many kids today. Uh, some of our, some of our youth are gone. So, um, we do have some cupcakes. I don't know if we have cupcakes for everybody, but uh, we'll sing, we'll sing the Kalos later. All right. <laughs> and he's, he was just so excited about that. No, it's a blessing that, you know, the Lord has, uh, allowed him to live this long and, you know, he's growing into a godly young man and. Uh, we just pray the Lord's favor over his life. Um, but with that, I'm very excited for uh, the word this morning as uh, we're continuing on in the book of Revelation. It's been uh, just such an eye-opening experience just to see, again, how, uh, how important the whole scope of God's word is, right? Amen. From the Old Testament to the New. And it, it's just so cool how you can literally see things playing out right before your eyes when you go through uh, the Old Testament and you see how much uh, revelation is tied into all the old prophecies. And then you see what's going on in the day and age that we live in. Uh, It's it's a great day to be alive. Amen. It's a great day to be alive in the Lord. And uh, we have a heavy responsibility on us as believers, true followers of Jesus Christ to be faithful witnesses. There are many people out there that are still not knowing who the Lord Jesus Christ is and they're being deceived. This is a heavy message, so uh, just strap in because <laughs> it's going to get raw. It's going to get real. We're continuing on. We're in uh, Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 down through 16. So uh, when you get there, whether you got a old school Bible or you're using your phone, please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll read our passage this morning. We'll pray and then we'll get into the meat of the message. Once again, this is Revelation chapter 16. We're starting in verse 10. We'll go down. Uh, 2 verse 16 and it reads the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness people gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the god of heaven for their pain and sores they did not repent of their deeds the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. Verse 14, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God, the almighty. Behold, I am Coming like a thief, blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Verse 16, and they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, more than ever, we, we need you this morning. We need to have a fresh understanding of who you are. Lord, I pray that you would put a reverent fear in our hearts for you. We need to understand that uh, awe is totally different from terror. You see, as when we were unbelievers, like uh, when Adam had sinned, we are afraid and we're in terror of you. But when we're in a right relationship with you, we have, we're awestruck by who you are. You're so great. You're so grand. You're so majestic. You're the only true and living God. And so with that, there needs to be a reverent fear of who you are. That reverent fear will keep us from going the wrong way. It will keep us clinging to the truth. And every decision that we make must go through that filter of reverent fear for you. So Father, I pray that you would illuminate our, our spirit. Help us to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we may be able to rightfully discern your word. May the words that I speak come straight from you. May it not be of my own opinion. May it not be on my own accord. May it not be of the flesh, but may it be led by the Holy Spirit. 
And I pray if there's any of us in this room, and obviously we're always in, in, in need of, of conviction, Lord, and encouragement. So I pray that we would be honest with you wherever we're at and that we would do business with you today. May we not leave this building the same way we came in. It's not about this building, but it's about the people of God, the children of God, the body of Christ here. Lord, may we be reconciled to you and may we leave here in right standing with you knowing that we have full joy full hope everything we need is encompassed in your son jesus christ so father we thank you and we praise you we pray this all in jesus christ's precious name amen all right so uh, you may be seated last week um we covered a brief introduction of the seven bowl bowls of wrath of god we talked about this briefly uh, we looked at the first four bowl judgments being poured out by the angels of heaven upon this earth. And the first bowl was poured out and painful boils and sores came upon the skin of all those who worship Satan, who worship this world system. Uh, it's clear we, we, we know that we're not necessarily there yet, but we see this playing out. We see those that choose this world system and will do anything to be elevated so that they could have prominence in this economy that we live in. And it's a sad situation when you see so many people. The Bible is clear. What will a person give to gain this world? What will they give of their soul? Will they give, sell their soul in order to be prominent in this world? And we see that those who choose to live that lifestyle of reckless, abandoned for Satan, living for self, uh, esteeming themselves. Many people are not even worshiping Satan. They just worship themselves. We make ourselves as our own God. We submit to no one but our own ideas and our own desires. And those people who refuse to repent, they will receive these painful sores and boils upon on their bodies. This is a judgment of the Lord. We know that this judgment obviously is to cause people to see their depraved state and repent, but these people unfortunately will not bow a knee to the Lord. Next, the second bowl was poured out onto the seas and all of the water in the seas and the oceans had turned to like blood of a corpse, a, a dead corpse. So everything, uh, you know, if you want to go uh, King James, stinketh. It didn't smell good. It was horrible. The waters of the ocean and the seas and all of the life that was in the ocean and the seas was destroyed. Then the third bowl was emptied out into all of the fresh waters, the fresh rivers and the spring waters. And the same thing happened. The water became polluted and all of life died in that living water. Can you even imagine Anyone who is supplying uh, produce of, 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 of food out of the sea, well, that industry is done at that point. You cannot eat anything that is dead and that is polluted by the blood of a corpse. But that is, what was, that is what's going to happen in that bowl being poured out. But something else happened. That same angel made a profound statement and he said, and it says uh, in the text, I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And so we see the ramifications, once again, of living a lifestyle contrary to the Lord and, and, and having the audacity to persecute and to murder those who live for Jesus. And they engaged in this type of lifestyle, this violent lifestyle, and so now they are led to drink blood. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun became as fire, scorching and burning all those who worship Satan. It's crazy because, again, right, we live in California, so everybody's about sunblock, and I don't want to get burned up. Uh, you go into Santa Cruz or go into wherever you go, and it gets hot. Well, you know, SP whatever, 60, I don't know what they got. I don't know how high it goes, but, you know, that sunblock in, in, in that day, it's not going to mean a thing. You're going to be able to sizzle bacon on the back of your neck, and it's going to just be hardcore, the fact that the sun's scorching and burning. I would imagine third-degree burns go burning down to the bone uh, of people, burning through the layers of skin. But this is, again, happening because of the judgment, the righteous, pure judgment of God. 
It's not that God delights in laying these judgments down, but for a rebellious people who refuse to repent because he is holy and set apart, this is going to happen. And despite all of this, those who hate Jesus Christ and love themselves only simply continue to do so. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling that these severe punishments will happen and there will still be those who refuse to bend a knee to the authority of who Jesus Christ is. <clears throat> they did not repent or pay homage to Him as Savior and Lord. Instead, they cursed God and they did not give Him glory. And so today we will look at the fifth and sixth bowls being poured out and what is to come. We have several main points and the first one is this. A lifestyle of darkness, a darkened heart, is a result of rebellion against God. Simple as that. A lifestyle of dark, darkness, to have a darkened heart, to have no empathy, to have no understanding of God or even of yourself and that we are created in the moral image of God. To live in complete opposition of that is a result of rebellion against the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh, all the names of who God is. Jude chapter 1 verse 6 tells us, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Now, we are all sensible people in Christ, so we all know this story well. Lucifer, as he was before he became Satan, before uh, his fall, he was not content with how he was created to worship the true and living God, Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai. He wasn't content with being in the Holy of Holies, playing music and honoring Him in such a way. He became prideful and wanted to be more than He was created to be. He wanted to be God Himself. The Bible says at that point, iniquity was found in Him. It was the same thing that happened with Cain. Remember what happened? Cain decided because his offering was uh, rejected by the Lord. And by the way, if you, if you read and study the scriptures, all God said was, your offering is not right. Why are you downcast? If you repent and if you bring me the offering that is correct, I will receive it and receive you. But, be, but you see, Cain became downcast just like Satan. Iniquity was found in him. Speaking of Satan. And as this happened, he convinced one third of the angels to rebel against God with him. This verse in Jude speaks of the consequences of Satan and his followers' disobedience. You see, Satan has and will forever be the complete opposite of God. Complete opposite. That's why we hear this term, anti-Christ. For what Christ is, the true and living God, the one and only Messiah, the Antichrist, the final Antichrist. We know there's all kind of little Antichrists that have been running around for centuries and thousands of years, but... The final Antichrist, all of them actually, they're all the opposite, but they all encompass that unclean spirit of Satan, that satanic spirit. You see, God is love, so that must mean that Satan is hate. He is hate. He is the epitome of hate. God is the father of truth. We know the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. And whatever God wants you to do, love your neighbor. Be peaceful with all people. Strive with all men uh, as much as you can, right? As, as, as much as you're allowed to. Satan wants you to do the exact opposite. Everything that the Lord God Almighty calls you and I to do, Satan wants us to do the exact opposite. And since the Lord God Almighty is light, speaking of truth, purity, again, that, that holiness set apart, that means that that makes Satan darkness, spiritual darkness Utter darkness is found in Satan. And because he is willfully rebelling against God, he is condemned to eternal darkness forever. That is his resting place, for that is what he chose. You see, Adam and Eve were in perfect union, perfect communion with God Almighty. They were in perfect communion in God's light until they disobeyed God's instructions. Once they decided to disregard the Lord's commands... They plunged themselves and the entire human race into spiritual darkness. And this is a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into it. But we all know the fact if we were there, 
we would have done the same thing. Because some people will be like, well, you know, I can't, I can't accept the fact that Adam and Eve did this. And that means that I am a sinner because of what they did. You know what? It's all in us. We all would have done the same thing. Um, I'm sure you can look at your life and before you got converted and, and, and have been, been regenerated, have a regenerated heart in you. How did going your own way go for you? How did doing things your own way? Even if you were successful in the world's eyes, I can guarantee I don't even I won't even have to know you and to understand that there was a void in your heart. Even if you had all the things this world can offer, even if you looked apart, even if you had all the accolades, there was still an emptiness, a brokenness inside you because our natural bend is towards sin. Our natural bend because of sin makes us aliens of the Lord and we need him to come in to Give us what we need, that fullness, that right standing with, with God the Father comes through the person of Jesus Christ. And so that's, this is where we see the state of humanity. And this is where we see uh, spiritual darkness come into play because of, again, it wasn't just Adam and Eve alone. It was their influence. They came into agreement with Satan. And we have, we'll get into this later in the message, but we'll be reminded again today of how coming into agreement is vitally important who we come into agreement with. It's either we come into agreement with the Lord and his ways or we come into agreement with Satan or many people who think they're not coming into agreement with Satan. They come into agreement with their own ideas, which is still led by a demonic, unclean spirit. And we see all kind of havoc break loose in our lives, unfortunately. The only one who can bring us back from darkness to light is Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 26, verse 18 clearly tells us, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's oh, a beautiful thing. Aren't you so grateful that there is a way out? Aren't you so grateful that this condition that even to this day, Many will say, oh, it's this and it's that. And psychologists say this and the medical field says that. <laughs> the reality is it's spiritual depravity. That's causing all of this carnage and decay that we see going on. The fact that news feeds all they report is, is, is heinous things. Darkness, violence, death, killing, murders, slanders, backbiting. Aren't you so glad that there is an out there is an answer for all of that. It's all about perspective. What is our perspective? Are we willing to tune in to the truth so we can be redeemed from this? And we don't have to walk around in shame, in fear, in anxiety, in depression. That doesn't have to be you today. You can walk in victory, overcoming all those things by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? In our text this morning, those who worship Satan and his world system... And the, the kingdoms of this world will be plunged into utter darkness. Our second main point is this. So I said, this is a heavy message. <laughs> this is, a, you know, <laughs> built up in Christ, you'll be okay. But false prophets, demonic spirits will always spread lies in order to deceive people. You see, verse 14 of our text tells us that demonic spirits come forth performing signs, convincing the armies of the world to wage war against God and his people. Now you see, the mission of these unclean spirits is to gather leaders of the world together for the battle of Armageddon. That is what's going on in our text this morning. <clears throat> but notice the nature of how these demons get their na these nations together by performing signs. They're performing signs. And what this means is they're appealing to people's curiosity. You see, the Bible has something to say about those who are enticed by their own curiosity. The worship and seeking of supernatural powers other than Jehovah God have been around since the beginning. Satan has used witchcraft to prevent people from finding holy spirituality in God alone. You see, he uses witchcraft such as mediums, horoscopes, tarot cards, Ouija boards, games, just flat out. Nowadays, you see it. You see it a lot in rap music. Man, just flat out, flat out, Luciferian worship. 
They have no shame in it. And you have people just eating it up. You have a young generation of people that are gobbling it up. And it's being passed off as self-enlightenment. The Bible speaks often of these consequences of following false idols and falsehood. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 31 tells us, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. If you know what that word necromancer means, you know it's a horrible thing. It's something that should never even be conceived in the mind of someone to do. <laughs> to, do to have sexual relations with a dead corpse. Do not seek them out, so to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 6. If a person turns to mediums and necromancers, whoring after them, I will set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. This is essentially what these demons were doing. They were going abroad to the kings of the nations of the world and they were sowing in them signs and wonders. But you see, it was all a deception. It was all an illusion. And the nations of the world were continue, continuing to be led astray. So we as the church, we need to guard against every form of spiritual deception. Amen. Remember, the, the battle for your soul is won and lost in your mind. We'll get into that later is what these demons try to do. Because trust me, though you cannot be uh, possessed as a believer in Christ, we know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Best believe you can be demonized. You can be tormented by an unclean spirit. All right. <clears throat> the third main point is this. Is this is where it gets good. <laughs> it's like heaviness in here. But it's okay because, you know, sometimes the word is heavy. God's, you know, he's, he's all things, right? Not in, in the sense of he's, you know, we always want to talk about God as love, but there's a, there's a justice to him. There's a just righteousness, his wrath. And uh, this is how much he hates sin. You know, we see the consequences of it. But this is, uh, this is, this last main point is for those who stand the test of time in the Lord. Blessed is the one who remains clothed in Christ and does not allow himself to be led astray by Satan or any of his demon brodies. The idea of keeping one's garment on that he may not go about naked and exposed draws upon the custom of that day when men wore loose-fitting robes. You see, when a man walked quickly or ran or climbed stairs, the robe could become untied and it could easily fall open. And men wearing robes needed to be alert and careful about their behavior so their robes would not slip open. When you think of the prodigal son, oh, I love that story, right? We're all prodigals. And the fact that the father... He went running, okay? Not only was he an elderly man, but because of this analogy as well as back then, they would wear these long robes. So it was shameful, especially for an elderly man to run. But he said, what did the father do? He didn't care. He bucked out like Carl Lewis, man. He was full speed ahead. He didn't care what he looked like. He was just grateful to see that his son had returned. His son had repented. His son had seen that I, I cannot eat with these pigs. I need to return to my father. It's a great picture of what we see here about the robe. An unclothed person inside their house also is not prepared for a sudden visitor or a rush to an emergency. So staying clothed was important. And in a spiritual sense, this means believers, we all need to be careful about our behavior. You can find that verse in First uh, John chapter 2, verse 28. It won't be up on the screen, but you can jot that down for your own studying when you desire to. Every follower of Jesus Christ should live above reproach. We should. We should be living above reproach. We should be blameless in our walk before men because of what the Lord has done for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is how we should live. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's crystal clear. The Lord's pulling no punches. We don't have to try to disseminate what the scripture is saying here. He's making it clear how we should live as believers in Christ. First John chapter 2 verse 28 tells us, And now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may be confident and not shriek 
from him in shame at his coming. How profound that is. Are we allowing the Lord to do a work in us so that we are going to be spotless and blameless when he returns? Christ said he wants his church to be spotless and blameless. That means allowing, partnering with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, asking the Lord, help me to partner with the Holy Spirit. May I walk in your truth. Clean me, cleanse me, creating me a clean heart, renewing me a right spirit. You see, if we're living a lifestyle like that, we're not going to shriek back. We're not living in guilt. We're not living in shame. We're living above reproach. We're not living in a way where we're constantly having to look over our shoulders because there's some guilt in us about we know that in things we're engaging in are not are contrary to what the word says. But then we put on our Sunday best and act as if it's all good. Nah, we need to have this spiritual discipline ingrained in us so you can walk in victory. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and unpack these verses. So going back to verse 10 and 11, it says the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their teeth in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. So, okay, this first statement here, the beast's kingdom became full of darkness. Now, some would say that this is a symbolic darkness, <laughs> but, it, but it isn't necessary to see this darkness as, as some symbolic political darkness. It, it's already occurred that there's been a darkening in the minds and the hearts of humans. We've already, we all agree, we all concur that we live in a fallen world, correct? So we know that this has already occurred. When the eyes of people's hearts are blind to the truth of who Jesus Christ is, they walk in complete spiritual darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 confirm this. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds, the minds of the unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of of God. So we see that it is Satan who has blinded, again, the mind. Remember, the mind is so important. We wage warfare in our mind. But this is what happens to unbelievers. So we know that this has already occurred. This was the case leading up to our text. So there has to be more to this darkness than simply being symbolic. Remember the ninth plague that happened in Egypt, right? It wasn't a symbolic darkness. It was a literal darkness with spiritual overtones. The darkness could be felt. Exodus chapter 10 verses 21 and 22 tell us, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Okay, so we see, again, this connection from the Old Testament, from things that have already occurred in history past, and we're going to see these things happen again at the end of this age. Next, we see this statement, they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. You see, the darkness of the fifth bowl is a preview of hell itself which is described by Jesus as the outer darkness. Matthew chapter 25, verse 30 tells us, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those under judgment of this fifth bowl stand on the shores of the lake of fire itself. And you know, the saddest thing about uh, hell Obviously, there's going to be torment and there's going to be anguish. And as we see the, 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 the gnashing of teeth. But I, I truly believe that the Lord has revealed this to me in, in many instances. And I, I know we, we talked about this a while ago. One day when my daughter was uh, in trouble and she was in her, in her crib and she kept just crying my name. Daddy, Daddy, trying to get my attention. And the Lord showed me that's, that's what souls in hell are going to be like. They're going to be crying out like a little child 
daddy, daddy, but it's going to be too late. And the fact that they could have had, should have had, uh, should have been out of hell, should have been in a right relationship with God, but chose the, the, the things of this world over God. And now they stand apart from him for eternity, a chasm that, that cannot be uh, connected. And that's the worst part. That's worse than the gnashing of teeth. That's worse than the torment. That's worse than the pain is the anguish of knowing that someone could have had the opportunity, but they chose this world over Jesus. And to have to live with that regret for an eternity. That is so sad. That, I mean, that in itself, we should have empathy for those. And we've seen what we've been saved from. Um, obviously, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that should drive us to be faithful witnesses so that we don't, we don't see people on our watch going to hell, slipping through the cracks and ending up in eternity apart from God simply because they didn't choose. Now, we, we can't cause anyone to choose, obviously, but we can be our, the best table setters we can be and offer the truth in love and intercede and pray that people will be convicted and that they would respond to the wooing of the Lord upon their hearts amen well this is a sad statement in in this text it says and they did not repent of their deeds man in man's sinful condition he increases his sin when under god's judgment this is actually the very time he should be forsaking his sin (laughs) right i mean it's not it's just so it is so crazy how blinded we can be. It's so true to spiritual things because we can walk. I mean, I walked for years in sin and, and had no clue lost to the fact that there's true and living God and that he's trying to redeem me. He's trying to reconcile me to himself, but just being in, in a darkened state. But God's judgment should cause us to repent. It should cause us to, to, to see the waywardness in our own selves, the fact that we are not right and that we need to submit ourselves and humble ourselves. But it says here in our text this morning that these people did not repent of their deeds. You guys know I like the old time pastors. I'm talking about 100 years back. This is a great quote from Charles Spurgeon. And he says, judgment may produce a carnal repentance, a repentance that is of the flesh and after the manner of the sinful nature of men. In this repentance, the depravity of the heart remains the same in essence, though it takes another form of showing itself. Though the man changes, he is not savingly changed. He becomes another man, but not a new man. The same sin rules in him, but it is called by another name and wears another dress. The stone is carved into a more slightly shape, but it's not turned into flesh. The iron is cast into another image, but it is not transformed into gold. This carnal repentance is caused simply by fear. Does not every thief repent of robbery when he is convicted and sent to jail? Does not every murderer repent of his crime when he stands under the fatal tree? But this is real penitence. When the man gives glory to the justice of God, even though it condemns him. Oh, my hearer, do you repent? Is sin really sinful to you? Do you see its desert of hell if not your repentance needs to be repented of i read that i was like wow you know i mean blown away i mean keep it real and i'm i I get it you know plank in my eye speck you know speck in my brothers i'm not i'm not saying running around judging people with the final judgment but we are called to make judgments as believers in christ and sure enough there is this this fake repentance going on obviously we need to check our own hearts first but the lord will give us discernment and then we'll be able to you know lovingly tell a brother or sister hey man come on i'm, I'm dealing with a situation like that right now in my work you know where uh, the young man that i've been um <clears throat> you know 
uh, lightweight discipling and it's been he's a great blessing in my life and and I'm I'm getting I feel like I'm getting more out of it than him but it's just a great relationship but you know it's one of those things where if we find ourselves praying and praying and praying for someone and it's been like you know I'm not saying I've known this brother for 20 years but we shouldn't be praying for the same thing for 20 years at some point the individual needs to step up and take responsibility and submit their lives before the Lord, take ownership of where they're at. Because we have to understand it's a partnership, right? We understand that, right? I mean, I, I saw this great clip last week and, you know, this pastor, uh, you know, he had the gift of, of, of prophecy and whatever he was describing to this young man. Uh, th this mother brought her son to uh, the church house and he was like, the Holy Spirit's a fraud. This ain't real. Blah, 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 whatever. This this pastor, man, spoke on some things that and it wasn't no setup. It was real that had this man in awe telling him about things about his life in relationships that he was having. Uh, he had an unwanted baby on the way that this woman was looking to entrap him. He was talking about generational curses. And, and I believe all that because it's all in the word of God. But this pastor said something so profound to me and it stuck with me. And he said, I am not going to pray over you, young man. He said, I'm not going to pray over you because if it is against your will, it is not going to work. You see, and there's a lot of us today where we're praying for people. And I'm not saying don't pray for them, but unless they come to a place where they're ready to receive it and they're ready to submit their lives wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, it's not going to work. And sometimes for some of us who are knuckleheads, it takes a near-death experience or it takes something really bad like a loved one dying and then we finally wake up and we're ready. But I just thought that was so profound because he said, because a lot of times you know, every pastor, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And I'm not saying don't pray for people. Understand what I'm saying in the spirit, saints. <laughs> what I'm saying is we have to have discernment. And that pastor had discernment. He had to tell that young man, man, I love you too much to just go ahead and pray for you. And you walk out of this room and remain the same way you were when you came in. You got to do business with the Lord. Be real about it. And when you're ready, the Lord's going to provide you with all the saints that you need to come alongside you and, and, and help you and, and to keep you on the right path. But I just thought that that was so profound. You know, I just thought that was so profound. Sorry, that's a side nugget. But anyways, <laughs> the, the application of what we're talking about here is this is what everyone needs inside the church and outside of the church. I'm talking about repentance, right? That's that. That's that. That's one of those dirty words like sin. We don't want to hear we live in such a progressive culture nowadays. Oh, it's not sin. What? The heck is not sin? I don't want to get into it because then, you know, again, I won't be down another rabbit hole. But we just <laughs> use your imagination. Think about the things that are going on. People call not calling it sin. But we, we need genuine, real repentance. You see, we don't need a guilt trip. We don't need an emotional response because a lot of times that's what happens. People are moved emotionally you know, and you definitely don't want to be making no oaths to the lord under emotions we better count the cost you know <laughs> and if we make an oath to the lord we better be quick to keep it amen because he don't play he don't forget we may forget two months down the road right i was just reading in in, in deuteronomy uh, chapter four and chapter five how you know the israelites they're all about it when the lord delivered them and then they went back and they forgot. In prosperity, it's all good. But you see, we need to be that much. We need to be just as close to the Lord in prosperous times. Not just when we have problems. When you're on the mountaintop, you and I better be down on our face before the Lord every day. Thanking him, praising him for his goodness, drawing closer to him. It shouldn't only be when we're going through something tough. Right? Because that's, that's a real relationship. You're like, man, I just love you, Lord. I just love you. I just want... I want I just want to be in, in your presence all the days of my life. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be in communion with you. And that comes from a heart that's been truly changed, resurrected from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. That is real, true repentance. This creates a lifestyle of turning back to God in his ways. And it stays. 
You know, we can have the victory continuously. I'm tired of seeing Christians back and forth, back and forth. I, and I get it. We all got to go through our thing. But what I'm saying is, man, there should come a time when we're living in continuous victory. I'm like, I, I, I see how my life was and I see how my life's been, uh, you know, as years have gone on. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not, don't, 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 please. I don't want to paint that picture. But what I'm saying is I'm living in continuous victory. I'm, I, I, the Lord is drawing closer to me. I'm drawing closer to the Lord. I, I, I'm, I'm experiencing him like I've never experienced him before. I'm having, I'm having such a great time with my wife, my wife and my children and pouring into my family. And what I'm saying is I never thought that these things could be possible to walk in continuous victory. And what I'm talking about is in the difficult things of life. In the difficult circumstances of life, but to still have joy and still have peace. The enemy cannot steal this from you. But we have to have our connection right. If our connection is right with the Lord, then we will walk through turbulent times. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we will be unscathed. Satan can't take your joy. He can't steal your joy. He can't steal your peace. And, 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 and I desire so badly for, for other believers, for us to experience this. I, I, I want to hear stories of victory and continued victory. It gets depressing at times when you, like, you talk to people and it's like, man, you're still going through that. Well, come on, man. You got the Holy Spirit in you. You know, that's how I had to, I had to be real with, with my boy at church. I'm like, man, you got to stop this now. Today it stops. I said, because, you know what, look what happened to Saul. We play games. Saul went, you know, consulted that medium. What happened? His life got cut short. Heaven forbid we don't live out our ordained days because of our own disobedience. But you see, God is that real. God is that real. He loves us so much that sometimes he will take the life of a believer early to save that person's soul. Because we walking in continuous disobedience. And we're playing games. We're like, well, I'm getting right now. I'm going to go flirt with sin again. And it's like, nah, man. Get right. Stay right. Stay on the path. Stay on the narrow path. It don't matter what anybody else says. We need to be engaged with the Lord. Amen? All right. Whew. It's going to get heavy now. <laughs> All right. 12 through 16. Here we go. It says, the sixth angel poured out his bowl and the great river Euphrates and its waters was dried up to prepare the way for the kings of the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. They are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. And then here is this warning. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assemble them at the place that in, the, that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Okay. Let's look at this real quick. The Great River Euphrates. It's a little uh, historical background so we can understand it a little bit better. Uh, the Romans considered uh, the Euphrates River to be a secure barrier against invasions from the empires of the east. That was just a common fact back then in that, in that culture in that time. In that day, it was about um, 1,800 square miles and uh, anywhere from 300 to uh, 1,200 uh, yards wide. It says that its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might uh, be, uh, be prepared. Now, if the Euphrates River were dried up and made a road, massive armies from the east, uh, nations like China, India, and Japan could move westward with ease. Some speculate on the reason these armies of the east were coming westward. Some think it is to wipe out Israel or to rebel against a European-based world leader or the Antichrist. Now, okay, we have to take all this with the caveat. Fighting against the Antichrist doesn't seem to fit because at this time in human history, it will have never been clear. Either you serve Jesus Christ or you serve Satan. Okay? Remember, 
that Jesus said a house divided amongst itself could not stand, referring to the accusations against him that he was using the power of Satan to cast demons out of people. So here it makes no biblical sense for these armies to fight against Satan when they are actually serving Satan. Okay, ultimately, these nations come to do battle against God and his Messiah. You can read that in Psalm chapter two. So next we see this statement I saw, and this is the Apostle John. This is what he's seen. He said, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Okay, this is a strange thing. Okay, we have to understand the Jewish culture to kind of get a better, better grip of what's going on here in our 21st century thinking. These spirits are, are like frogs in form. Now, the ancient Jewish people regarded frogs as unclean and repulsive. But the Egyptian culture, they actually had a frog goddess. So it's crazy because once again, you see the huge difference between Jesus Christ and Satan as a counterfeit. You see, Christ expels unclean spirits, but Satan sends these unclean spirits forth. These demons are like the lying spirit who led Ahab into battle. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 19 down, down to 23, I'll read it for the sake of context. And uh, Micah, Micaiah said, uh, Therefore, the word of the Lord, uh, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all of the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, I will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead. And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what, by what means? And he said, I will go out and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Verse 23. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. You see, King Ahab and others at the court found it hard to explain how one prophet could be right and 400 other prophets could be wrong. Here, Micaiah explains the message of the 400 prophets. Since the right hand, we know in the Bible, is the place of favor with God. That's where Jesus Christ sits. Amen. The right hand of the father. Right. This may mean that God spoke to the, God, the combination of the hosts of heaven, both faithful and fallen angelic beings. Now, some people forget that Satan and his fellow fa- fallen angels have access to heaven. You know about that from Job chapter 1, verse 6, and Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Now, I have to make this, this disclaimer because there is a well-intentioned but mistaken teaching that God can allow no evil in his presence, meaning that Satan and other fallen angels could not be in his presence. Now we know that these passages show that God can allow evil in his presence, but he cannot have fellowship with evil. And one day all evil will be removed from his presence. That's in Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 down through 15. You see, God wanted to bring judgment against Ahab, so he asked this group of the hosts of heaven for a volunteer to lead Ahab into battle. Apparently, one of these fallen angels volunteered for the task. Since Ahab wanted to be deceived, God will let him have what he wanted, using a willful fallen angel who worked through willing, uh, willing unfaithful prophets. This is just like Pharaoh. You know, Pharaoh wanted what he wanted. You know, because the Bible says that Moses harden Pharaoh's heart. We know that a man can't harden another man's heart. The Bible said that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I've had these debates and it's crazy, man. People are like, man, I can't believe that you said that God didn't harden his heart. And they said that Pharaoh hardened his heart. God creates us with a free will, right? We have a free will. So you and I nowadays are bond servants of Jesus Christ because we see the greatness of who he is. So we say, we willingly lay down our rights and we want to serve you. You see, Satan works on the premise of fear, intimidation, violence. 
That is the weakest form of power you could ever have when you have to beat someone into submission, as some men do to women, as some slave owners did to slaves back in the day, as Satan does to anybody who is opposing him and submits to him, right? But God says, I create you with a free will. You can choose me or you can choose the other way. With Pharaoh and with Ahab, they already had this desire in their hearts. So what God did is said, well, you don't want to change. Okay, well, I'm going to give you over to what you want. Application is this. This is why it's so important to love God, his truth, and his way, and not our own. If we become so stubborn that we want our own way, even if it is wrong, the Lord may allow it and send a lying spirit upon us. You know, (laughs) right? Because we've all been there. When you convince yourself that the lie is the truth, that's a dangerous place to be. When you just want something so bad, where you're like, man, I'm believing this lie. That's not a good place to be. Clearly, we see that even the false prophets may be governed by a supernatural or spiritual forces rather than merely human reason. It represents the power of a lie in the mouth of someone who opposes the truth just to get their own way. Next, we see this statement. They are spirits of demons performing signs. Again, signs and wonders are used here by demons as tools of deception. This is where it's going to get heavy. You see, as followers of Jesus, as, as just real Christians, right? We're real Christians, right? We're not just Christians by namesake. We're Christians because we have experienced the redeeming power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen? Okay? So we must remember we are in a spiritual battle, folks. That's what's going on, church. Every day you live, you are in spiritual warfare. You see, many within Christianity would rather not talk about this. They don't want to talk about demons and all this stuff. They want to just be like, nah, man, it's all love. God's all love. I just want to be blessed. I just want prosperity. Man, it's not real. They try to avoid, avoid, excuse me, acknowledging this biblical truth. But the reality is demons are real. Okay? They have personalities. And they have a form of intelligence. We have to understand, church, that there is a spiritual component to every area of life. Now, I'm not saying going on a witch hunt and going under every single rock and you know, saying there's the, you know, Pastor Nick would always say the, the, the slurpy demon. I'm not talking about that. You know, no, I'm not saying get fanatical. I'm talking about having God-given discernment, understanding that our enemy is unseen. You see... What can't be explained medically, scientifically, or physically, all has its roots in the spiritual realm. Okay? That is real. I don't care if people believe it or not. That is real. I don't care what the outside world says. They might think you're a kook. They may think you're a nut. But what they can't explain medically, scientifically, or physically, it has its roots in the spiritual realm. Trip off this. One-third of Jesus's ministry had to do with casting demons out of people. One third of his ministry on earth. It's interesting because one third of the good angels went bad. (laughs) So to me, I'm making the connection. Well, okay, Jesus, if your one third of your earthly ministry was casting out demons out of folks and one third of the angels fell, that means you was running around casting out all these foul demons out of people. Remember, Legion, he didn't, kill, he didn't cast out a gang of them into the pigs. They're like, oh, no, we, we don't want to go here. We don't want to go to a lake of fire. Put us in the pigs. You know, it's that real. It's that real. You see, Jesus wasn't casting these demons out of a few people. He was casting demons out of many people. A lot of times, I mean, people would bring droves of people. Leprosy, this and that, all kind of physical sicknesses. Now we know that the scripture says that not everything is a generational curse. Remember that one person that was blind, Jesus said, nah, it wasn't brought on by his, uh, his, his family. It was brought about so that... He, The Lord may be glorified by doing a miraculous work in this person's life. That's why I said we have to have discernment. But what I'm saying is when we're dead asleep, 
thinking that everything is just NFL and Nickelodeon and, and Air Jordan and YouTube and whatever you're into, when it's like, no, nah, man, there's a spiritual component behind all this stuff. And if you're asleep at the wheel as a believer, you're going to be rendered ineffective by some unclean spirit, by some demon that you've invited into your lives. And we need to be aware of what's going on so we can fight against these unclean spirits. Amen. <clears throat> you see, demons cause physical sickness. Worry, fear, fatigue, anger, depression, obesity, you name it. <laughs> I mean, there's an unclean spirit for all these things, and they wreak havoc on people. These unclean spirits are looking to torment believers and to possess non-believers. We know that as a believer in Christ, you cannot be possessed by an unclean spirit, but you can be tormented. All right. And the only way to get rid of a demon is to drive it out. Under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you can't counsel a demon out of somebody. We want to have all these sessions where I'll go talk to this person and oh, we're going to put you on this drug and, you know, come back in three weeks. Man, that it don't work. <laughs> that don't work. You, you can't talk these demons out. They have to be driven out. They have to be cast out in Jesus Christ's name. You see, these demons try to gain access to you and I through our thinking. The spiritual battle is won and lost in the mind. Jesus is constantly talking about having your mind renewed in the word. This is so important. This is why we are told, again, to have our minds washed constantly in the word of God. Remember when Jesus is speaking of husbands and how they love their wives, and he was using the analogy of, of how he would love the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 tells us that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Now, you see, when we recognize how the enemy tries to attack us, we are ready now to defend ourselves and fend him off. You know, all this stuff that we see in the physical, they, they are just manifestations of the spirit world. But we as believers, we should be fighting this battle on our knees. You have to ask yourself how, how and, and it's not, and it's not a, a length of time, but how often are you in prayer? How often are you interceding for those around you? How often are you communing with the Lord, uh, not only talking to him, but hearing from him? How, how often are you in the word of God itself? Because you know uh, uh, the armor of God, right? Uh, belt of truth, blessed prayer of righteousness, shoes of peace, uh, shield of faith, helmet of, spirit, uh, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. We wield the word. We wield the word of God. The word of God is your only offensive and my only offensive weapon against Satan. You see, this is why knowing God's word is vital to your spiritual success. Memorizing God's word is vital to your success to ward off the attacks from the enemies. You see, a right connection with Jesus Christ plus clear memorization of his word, a.k.a. hiding his word in your heart, equals continued victory over the enemy of your soul. Do you, do you get that? That is how you walk in continued victory. You should be able to be, and it's not a legalistic thing, but you should be able to be like, he who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Perfect love casts out all fear. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it ain't no pastor that should be doing that. Every Christian, I'm teaching my kids this, my son. And it's, I'm telling you, it's not a legalistic thing. They're like Mike Tyson combo punches. If you don't have the word of God at your disposal, readily available at the flick of an instant, how are you going to get that unclean thought out of your mind? Demons try, I'm telling you, they try to penetrate in your mind. And if we can't counteract that real quick, we're going to find ourselves coming into agreement or maybe we don't want to come into agreement with it, but we're being tormented. But then we're not in the word and we wonder why don't we don't have victory. It's right here in the scripture. He tells us clearly this is how you and I can have lasting victory. I just had to drive that point home because I feel like sometimes we struggle with things and we don't we can't put our finger on it. But it's like if we spend more time in God's word and if we really spend more time memorizing his word, not so we can prance around spouting off at the top of the, the top of our lip and being some spiritual big head. But I'm saying so we can truly know that this is where our ammunition comes from, man, you're going to you're because the attacks are going to come. Right. I know we're being attacked. We're being attacked. But how are you and I defending ourselves when the attacks come?
Sometimes you can't call a brother or sister and be like, pray for me. You got to stand right there and be like, in Jesus' name, no, you're not coming no further. I, I, I rebuke you and you, you just start spitting out the word. You know, that's what happened with those demons in, in that man who was cutting himself in the cemetery. They, they tremble at the presence of Jesus Christ. But again, the connection has to be right. If our connection ain't right, you can't just start spitting out verses. The demons are going to be, they're going to treat you like they treated the, those men who try to use Jesus' name. And they're going to beat you up and you're going to run naked and bloody for your life. But if you have a right connection with Jesus Christ, you can utilize the word of God and you will keep them at, at bay. They will flee. They will run. They will get out. They will get out of your mind. They will leave your family alone. They'll get out of your home. Right. But again, I'm driving this home because it's so important. The worst thing is when we're suffering spiritual attacks, not because we're being faithful but because we've allowed unclean things into our home, the things we're listening to, the things we're viewing. This is what I was telling my buddy who was struggling with a certain sin. I said, every time you watch that stuff, you're allowing this demon to think it's okay to mess with you. And that demon keeps coming more and more and more because you keep on watching what you're watching. You want that demon to leave you alone? Get in God's word and get off of that computer screen. It's as simple as that. The false prophet here is the second beast in Revelation chapter 13. He says, gather them to battle. This battle is, is not nation against nation, but nations against God. Psalm chapter 2 verses 2 and 3 says, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. This is one of the three important battles mentioned in prophecy. The battle of Gog, Magog, and her allies come against Israel. You can read about that in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. The battle of Armageddon when the Antichrist leads the world system against Jesus Christ when Jesus returns for his final time. It's Revelation chapter 17 verses uh, 12 down through 16. I'll read this and then I'll move on for the sake of time. And then the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast these are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast they will make war on the lamb and and the lamb will conquer them and for he is lord is the lord of lords and the king of kings and those who with him are called are chosen and faithful and the angel said to me the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages and the ten horns that you saw they are the beast they will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. Oh my gosh, that's so hardcore. That's a whole other message in and of itself. But that's just to show you the, the graphic images of, of what's happening here with these battles going on. And the final battle with uh, when Satan and her allies, uh, after the millennium, uh, they, they make war against God. I'm not going to read the verses, but you can uh, read it for yourself in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 down through 10. The great day of the Lord God Almighty. This is referring back to our text again. The winner of this battle is apparent. <clears throat> it is the great day of the Lord. Not the great day of man. Not the great day of the Antichrist. Not the great day of the dragon. But the great day of the Lord. Amen. And finally, Jesus says, Behold, uh, he, he tells uh, 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 the apostle uh, John is, is told this, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. There is a warning to be prepared in light of our assured victory. Garments are a picture of spiritual and practical righteousness. We are given the righteousness of Jesus as a garment. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 tells us, For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. But we have also been called to put on the nature of Jesus in terms of practical holiness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 down through 24 tells us, But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that I have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Above all else, we must not be naked, 
That is, without a covering or trying to provide our own covering as Adam and Eve did. Remember, the, uh, the, the Word of God says that uh, our good works, it's like what Adam and Eve did, it's like a filthy rag. I don't want to get into what that means. We know it's disgusting. It's not something that we want to talk about, but it's not a good, good thing. As uh, Isaiah and Michelle come up, I'll end with this last, um, this last point. Uh, it says, and they gathered them together in the place called, uh, in Hebrew, called Armageddon. This verse gives the location to which these demons mentioned in verse 14 assembled these international armies. They collect these fighters at a place called Armageddon. The name translated in Hebrew, Armageddon, means the hill or mountain of uh, Megiddo. <clears throat> Mount Megiddo is close to the city of Megiddo, a former royal uh, Canaanite city. You can read about that in Joshua chapter 12 and close to the plains of Ezralon. Uh, Megiddo is also mentioned in Zechariah chapter 12 as a reference to the mourning of Josiah who was killed by the Egyptian archers in that area. The Lord embarked Barak to overthrow the Canaanites, the Canaanites at this exact same site. While this event commonly is referred to the Battle of Armageddon, it looks to be an extended series of ongoing fights. Zechariah prophesied about this in Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 and 2, that before the Lord returns, to the war of Armageddon, it will include plundering and raping of Jerusalem. Half the city will be taken into captivity. Then the Lord will go out and fight against these nations, and when he fights on that day of battle. This means that there will be a war of Armageddon ending in the return of Jesus Christ at his second coming. Praise God that no matter what we face, no matter what the opposition, he always come through victorious. Amen? Amen. May we come into agreement with the Lord God Almighty alone and live in obedience to Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you that you are victorious always. Even when it seems like the walls are closing in and the bottom has dropped out, you hold us. Lord, you keep us. You protect us. Lord, we should be in reverent fear of you, not man. The most man can do through the influence of Satan is take our lives. But you have the power to not only take our lives, but to cast us into the bottomless pit. But Lord, you have saved us from that through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. So may we take courage and hope in the fact that you are the omnipotent one. There is only one true and living God and you are him. Father, we submit our lives before you and we thank you for all that you continue to do for us. Thank you that you redeem us and that we can be safe in your arms. Please keep us as the apple of your eye. Hide us beneath the shadow of your wings. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.